A while back, I was working in the ER, and a paramedic brought in a man that had become short of breath while out for a hike. The medic told me that the patient had recently had a heart attack and had taken up hiking to lose weight. While up in the hills, he got short of breath and started having discomfort in his chest. I asked the medic if he had given anything for the patient's chest pain, and with a confused look on his face, he said, the patient doesn't have pain, he only has discomfort. You're listening to 911Cast, the no-nonsense EMS podcast. I'm Scott Topiel, and this week, it's all about pain. Humans have always suffered from pain and have been trying for millennia to treat it. Hippocrates, the famous Greek doctor that lived around 400 BCE, documented the use of a bitter powder made from the bark of a tree willow to treat pain and fever, essentially using salicylates as an anti-inflammatory, akin to modern-day aspirin. What is pain, anyway? If you ask a scientist, they'll tell you that pain is an unpleasant sensory or emotional experience caused by actual or potential tissue damage. In plain English, this means that pain is our body's way of telling our brain when something's wrong. In our bodies, there are special nerve cells called nociceptors. These nerve cells act like little pain detectors that are installed all over our body. Each of these cells has a threshold, the point at which they fire off painful signals to the brain. This threshold isn't set in stone and can be affected by lots of things like a person's genetics, past experiences with pain, their mood, or whether or not they're paying attention. The variable nature of the nociceptor threshold sometimes makes it a challenge to assess another person's pain, especially since we can't measure it directly. What we do know for sure is that unrelieved pain does more than just make a person uncomfortable. It activates the sympathetic nervous system, resulting in the release of catecholamines, those fight-or-flight chemicals, and stress hormones. This causes real things to happen, like vasoconstriction, impaired tissue perfusion, and reduced tissue oxygenation, all things that you'd rather avoid if you were sick or injured. Left untreated, pain causes changes to blood sugar regulation, increases the risk of blood clots, and causes the immune system to function less effectively. Research has shown that unrelieved or undertreated pain is linked to the long-term development of anxiety, depression, sleep problems, PTSD, and chronic pain. Patients whose pain is better controlled tend to heal faster and more completely than those whose pain is poorly addressed. This is true even during the relatively short time frame of an EMS encounter. Think about your everyday practice. How do you start your pain assessment? If you're like most of us, you ask the obvious question, are you having any pain? If your patient says yes, it's easy. You ask them to rate their pain. But what if they say no? We don't all speak the same language when it comes to pain. And I don't mean English versus Spanish or Russian or Mandarin. I mean the image that the word pain conjures up in someone's mind is very individual. So as EMS providers, why do we bother asking about pain in the first place? Is it because we're robots and just need to know when we have to give pain medication? No, it's because pain warns us to look for and treat potentially dangerous conditions. Remember my patient from earlier, the man that recently had a heart attack so he decided to take up hiking to lose weight? Remember how he was complaining of chest discomfort? When pressed, the medic told me that his protocols were only to treat chest pain, not discomfort. 
Now, I can hear the chuckles and the groans and those of you saying that you would never be so literal, that you wouldn't treat chest discomfort just because the patient didn't use the word pain. But we do that all the time, without noticing. Don't believe me? Try this. For the next week, whenever you ask a patient if they're having any pain and they say no, follow up the question by asking them if they're having any discomfort. I bet you'll be surprised how many patients will report a sensation of discomfort when they just told you they weren't in any pain. For some patients, the word pain is reserved for the most terrible feelings that they can imagine. Think being trapped in a burning car while being mauled by a bear, for example. For those patients, other sensations may be present that to them don't qualify as pain, but are still important to us as EMS professionals. Things like discomfort, tightness, and pressure all fall under the same painful umbrella that can warn us about badness but that the average person might not think important enough to mention when asked specifically about pain. Some providers have told me that they can tell how much pain a person's in just by looking. If only it were that easy. The truth is, pain is very personal, and people express it differently depending on their own past experiences, culture, or expectations. A patient's self-report is considered the gold standard and should be used whenever possible. We also have to be careful to keep our own biases in check because our own personal experiences with pain can easily creep in and affect our assessment. The numeric pain scale is the most common pain assessment tool out there. You use it every day when you say to your patient, on a scale of 0 to 10, 0 being no pain and 10 being the worst possible pain, how would you rate your pain? Your patient, still posing for Instagram, usually gives you a number like 12. Wouldn't it be nice if your fancy new cardiac monitor had a pain sensor that you could place on the patient's forehead and have it spit out a number from 0 to 10? The problem with pain is that it is subjective. I'm sure you've heard it said that pain is whatever the patient says it is. Now, I'm not naive, so I'm not suggesting that you blindly treat pain based solely on the number a patient gives you. The pain severity rating is just one part of a complete pain assessment. Remember that OPQRST mnemonic that you learned in EMT school? Onset, provocation, quality, radiation, severity, and time? The pain scale is just the severity part of that assessment. I'd argue that the other components of the pain assessment are more important than just a single number. Some people have a hard time with the numeric pain scale and can benefit from using a different pain assessment tool. This is especially true for younger children. The numeric rating scale is generally thought to be accurate for patients at least 10 years old. For younger children, say between the ages of 4 and 10, you may want to consider using something like the Wong-Baker Faces Scale. That's the one with the pictures of different faces ranging from happy to sad. And no, using this scale doesn't mean that you look at the patient's face and match it up with what you think they most look like. This is still a self-reporting tool meaning that you have to have the patient pick for themselves which face reflects the amount of pain or discomfort that they're feeling. Pain management has become a pretty controversial topic lately. Society is dealing with a crisis of opioid addiction. Concerns about fueling this addiction make some EMS providers hesitant to treat pain at all. One study of paramedic views on pain management revealed that many of those surveyed expressed a reluctance to administer opioids to patients when objective signs of pain or injury weren't obvious. They also said that they were worried that pain medication could mask symptoms and make it more difficult for doctors to diagnose patients. 
Contrary to what many of us have been taught, there is no meaningful correlation between pain scores and changes in vital signs. While it would make things a lot easier if a patient's reported pain level could be verified against some other objective measurement, it just simply isn't possible. Also, a couple of doses of morphine or fentanyl in the field isn't going to cause someone to become addicted to opioids, and making the patient with abdominal pain more comfortable has been shown to improve the accuracy of the hands-on physical exam and improve the patient's ability to sit still during imaging studies like CAT scans and ultrasound. So you really don't need to worry about addicting your patients to drugs or complicating their diagnosis. An experienced paramedic recently said to me, My job is to save people's lives, not to make them comfortable. While the ABCs will always be your top priority, it's important to recognize that untreated and undertreated pain is far from harmless. It's also important to remember that pain is personal and subjective, but always relevant. That's it for this week's episode of 911 Cast. Please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes so others will know that this podcast is worth their time. This week's episode is sponsored by OneKit, makers of professional-grade first aid and first responder kits. Check out their quality first aid products at buyonekit.com. That's B-U-Y-O-N-E kit.com. Thanks for listening.